0: To the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You're uh, joined by your usual hosts, Sir uh, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are we doing?
1: Yeah, doing good. Uh, had had dinner. Had a bit of a recording sesh. and yes. went
0: Straight back into it. Just we 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 we're, we're getting through, and we're uh, we're getting organised. <laughs> Ab- absolute machines. Yes, that we are. So uh, we've got a bit to talk about. Um, I have a lot to chat about, actually, about Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, Mr. Mannering, the GM himself, actually did point out I've uh, <laughs> have, have been a little lax in mentioning uh, the Pathfinder game. Yeah, well, However...
1: Well, so the version of this story I heard was a bit different. Okay, what did he say? He said that um, he said to you that he's a bit disappointed that you've not been talking more about he, Pathfinder. He, he might have used the phrase disappointment. but And, then, and you were quite taken aback at, yeah. at first, yeah.
0: Well... Yeah, I was. <laughs> but but we 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 a lot's happened and we're at a good point to do like a big recap because we're kind of uh, if if uh, the campaign was a TV series, we've just hit the end of the season, right? The the season finale. We've had the season finale. Yes. So, uh, I shall regale you with uh, those tales in a moment. But uh, we both saw Tom over the weekend, and this was our friend Scott Stagdo.
1: Scott, of course, who's been on the podcast a couple of times.
0: Though. Yes, yes. Uh, very much looking forward to his wedding uh, next month. Yes. But uh, we got to be not only men, but big nerdy men as yep. well. Uh, now, unfortunately, I a- I actually missed out on all the gaming side of it. Yeah. Uh, apart from. I don't know. You, an escape room is not really a tabletop well, it, experience, it,
1: it's but it's a gaming experience. Yeah, and there's definitely some tabletop versions of escape rooms. Yes, yes. I so I, tried think, I think I think it counts.
0: Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, but you, uh, you were there on the Sunday when you guys were playing Age of Sigma, and uh, you played a one-shot of Dungeons and Dragons. So how did that go? Uh, which one? The the, the battle. Both. Of- not
1: at the, not at the same time, not simultaneously. No, I mean I don't think anyone could do that. There's a, there's only... Could try. Yeah, I I I think that, that that would be quite stressful. Actually, it sounds nice, <laughs> but it's like in, in practicality and practice, <laughs> that there's one too many spa- uh, plates to spin. Yeah. Uh, so the battle, first of all. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, so... No, it, what, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Like uh, if if you asked Tom about it, it was that bad. But oh, we, yeah, I'm gonna have to now. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think the the phrase "stomp on my dick" may have been bandied about a few. Well, times Well, we've got the episode name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh um, yeah. Tom Tom wasn't having the 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 best time in the battle anyway. Um, so, Scott, Ewan, and Mark were on a team, mm-hmm. and it was a death chaos coalition. So, good. They're the good guys, then, right? Uh, definitely not. No. Yeah, I shouldn't have to explain this to you, Josh. Why? But the, the guys who raise the dead and who rape, pillage, and spread disease are not the good guys. I mean, do they rape, pillage, and spread disease in that order? I I, I don't think they're so concerned about the order it <laughs> happens in.
0: Right. So why are Hence they the bad guys? Why are they the bad guys? Maybe they're just misunderstood.
1: I, I think that what I've just said explains. I
0: think, you, I think you need to apply moral objectivity here, Ben. Just because just we consider, you know, raping, pillaging, and spreading diseases acts of evil doesn't mean that all cultures. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. So, and, and you and Tom were
1: um, elves, humans. Do you want a smack? Is that is that <laughs> is that what you're you're going for tonight? Uh, uh, we were dwarfs, right? Uh, of course, yeah. of course, of course. Or dwarin, Dwar, Dwar- dwarden, dwarden, dwarden. I believe dwarves. Interestingly enough, apparently that is the Saxon word for dwarfs. Ah, that's where it comes from. Because, because obviously there's there's a lot of overlap with the Norse and Saxon Norse and Saxon mythology. mythology yeah. yeah. Um, apparently, that's where that comes from. Anyway. Cool. Um, but yeah, so Tom was playing dispossessed, which is like old school dwarfs. Yeah. So it's like lots oh, of black powder, crossbows, mm-hmm. uh, sword and board, or axe and board, as mm-hmm. it were. And I was the, the mighty fire slayers. Yeah, the mean fire
0: slayers as well. Yeah. Right? Pretty, yeah. Pretty handy in close combat. But the look of the day wasn't going your way.
1: No, it, it was just one of those ones where it was uh, Murphy's Law was in effect for us. Everything that could have went wrong did go wrong. Mm-hmm. But that being said. I don't believe that's the exact wording of.
0: Murphy's Law, but yeah. Yeah,
1: that, that is Murphy's it's a Law little, paraphrased. It's it's a little more explicit, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough yeah. From that. Yeah. But um, that being said, considering things didn't go to plan, mm. it wasn't as bad as it could have been. All right. And we did kill Scott's General on his stag do. Oh. Oh, brutal. Yeah, he got cannoned as well. To the face. Did he get canon? No. He got canned and then he got shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and you're saying you're the good guys? <laughs> like... Well you just spoke about the relativism of morality so oh, there we go. Yeah.
0: So that argument right back at me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the I think the final score was eight six. Okay. That's that sounds quite close. Yeah it was. I think I think what edged out in the end was they managed to get my magma droth. Uh, so it's like you get a point for taking down something with ten wounds or more. Yeah. And I think they only had one model on the table that met that criteria. So strictly speaking, we were playing with a bit of a handicap. Okay, right. Like looking at it in, in hindsight, but you know it was a good day, and you know Tom and myself were magnanimous enough to let Scott win a stag do. You let him win. Yep. That is my that's story, you- <laughs> and I'm sticking to it.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But later on in the day, it wasn't uh, fierce competition so much as uh, fierce cooperation? Yeah. Is that how you describe
1: D&D? I don't know. I I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Like, depending on who you're playing with, sometimes <laughs> it can actually be quite competitive. Yeah, that's true. I've, I've been at a few D&D parties where... It's devolved into a pissing contest between characters, like trying to intimidate each other and all that, you know? But um, so, uh, as you're saying, like we, we had a D&D one shot mm. later on in the, in the day, and uh, we, uh, Tom, in preparation for this, basically asked us what sort of characters you want to play. So you went dwarf. Yeah. 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 There
0: we go. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I didn't try and wind you up yeah yeah you were le- sincere I'm, there thank learning. you learning
1: thank you i'm learning um specifically uh I th- I th- this was quite cool it was i i just told tom i'd like to play a gloom stalker dwarf which All is right. gloom stalkers one of the new um subclasses or archetypes so, so it's
0: subclass of ranger isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. you're batman
1: basically yeah, you so, in the night so normally rangers are traversing mountains or forests. Gloomstalkers hunt things in caves and underground. Mm-hmm. So really it is quite apt that a dwarf would be a gloomstalker.
0: Yeah, yeah makes sense. Yeah.
1: Um, so I, I was playing a gloomstalker called Turin Greyspine. Mm-hmm. I was actually the younger brother of Scott's character. Ah, uh, who was also a dwarf yeah. obviously. Uh, uh, Tureg Greyspine. Tureg and Turin, Turin. Yeah. Good so, names. Yeah, strong we, names. We we try to follow the sort of Norse-sounding. Yeah. Uh, you know, dwarven formula for mm-hmm. names. Um, so Tureg uh, was a fighter, mm-hmm. and he he's the he's the heir to the throne, as it were. Yes. Um, He's he's not royalty uh, strictly speaking, but he's from a noble family.
0: Yeah, so the, the, the the heir apparent to this family.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and he he's like a stone carver, mm-hmm. and like everyone thinks he's great, and uh and my character Turin, uh, being a, a second son, mm-hmm. uh, took work as a mercenary. You know, was like working as a guard through mm-hmm. the hold. So he, he's a he's a bit more of a a vagabond than his brother. Sure. But when Turek sets out into the world, Uh, Turin decides to accompany him. Yeah, mm-hmm. brothers after all. Yeah, you know, you know, for all for all their uh, brothers, they're dwarfs at the end of the day as well, mm-hmm. and family's a big deal, even if you are a mercenary. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was our characters. Uh. Ewan, played a a human barbarian called Thrud Woodsman. Yes. totally not a rip-off of ron swanson it's ron
0: swanson from parks and recreations yeah he he copied and pasted that a wee bit yeah but it it was fun but that's fun yeah yeah yeah. that's that's good third is actually did actually make a brief appearance in our pathfinder campaign
1: really yes
0: i'll explain more later okay right Mm.
1: so yeah third woodsman uh, Mark played an Elven ranger called Malik, who had a double identity. Oh. He was also posing as an Elven diplomat called Pharos, I believe.
0: All right.
1: So he could use that to open a few doors. So charlatan through and through. Yeah. But back in town, they a useful he, charlatan. Yeah, they th- they think he's an ambassador. Uh, Kate played a gnomic bard. A gnome? Do you say gnomic? Gnome, gnome? gnomic. Gnome. She's uh, played, played a gnome. Yeah. She's played a gnome bard called Strata. And, uh, yeah, she's like this sort of cloudy, jester type character. Mm-hmm. The comic relief. This is usually the character that I occupy. Yeah, yeah the Josh character. Yeah. Oh, maybe
0: not. Let's maybe not go just for the Josh.
1: Yeah, the Josh of the group. Oh, great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then uh, Dave mm. played. A, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it the character is basically you take a rogue, mm-hmm. you take a wizard, and you then mash they have, them together. They have a baby. Right. And then this thing comes out. So it's like a a sorcerer, a woke. rogue, yeah, some like a sort of shadow mancer type yeah. character, mm. uh, and his name was Dalen. Dalen. Yeah. Was
0: he a bit creepy?
1: Oh yeah. 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 So we we managed to get to this lair. We've been tasked with finding the the crown of the forest. I think it was called, mm-hmm. and it's this mythical helmet that this uh, ancient warlord wore. And rumor has it that if you put it on, you either turn into a stag or mm-hmm. can summon a stag. There's different stories about it. Okay. So we make our way through the dungeon and we get the usual, you know like I, I was scouting ahead like to try and map out the room mm-hmm. and I would report back and uh, on what I'd seen. But eventually we stumble across this uh, this guy who's all like wide-eyed and crazy. Mm-hmm and like he's filthy Mm -hmm. and he's wearing what looks like the remains of some sort of uniform Right. and eventually we deduce that he's a deserter and uh, his uniform matches the bodies of all the corpses Mm -hmm. that are outside the cave so all the evidence points to the fact that this was at one point a base of operations for these guys Mm -hmm. but something's moved in on him sure when we were still in town, we found out that there was a reward for deserters and bandits. Ah! Uh, you get three gold for near. Okay. So my character, being a bit more pragmatic than some of the others, says, "says right, let's take his ears. <laughs> uh, we might as well kill him, put yeah. him out of his misery." And a lot of the other characters objected to that, and uh, my character uh, Turin. Uh, Response to that by saying, Look, Why is this guy exempt from the law? He's broken the law. He has mm-hmm. to pay the price. He shouldn't be exempt just because he's crazy. Mm-hmm. And then, all the while, this guy's standing listening to all of these people arguing about his fate. <laughs> Whether they're going to cut his ears off or not. Yeah. And then eventually, uh, Turek, being the leader of the expedition, says there was nothing in the contract that said that the ears had to be detached. Oh, there we go. So he says to bind them. So uh, Turin frisks them for weapons, ties them up, as, and leaves them in a corner. And mm-hmm. with the idea being that we come back later on. And then, just as our characters round the corner, Dalen, uh, the creepy mm-hmm. sorcerer rogue baby, uh, cuts the guy's bonds and says to him, You belong to the clasp now. He sends <laughs> him away. Plot what twist. It, what does it mean? Yeah. Well it's one shot, so we'll never find out. <laughs> I know. Well all all of us afterwards were saying, like, I really want to uh Develop this. <laughs> to play this again sometime. I think in particular, uh Dave's character mm. sounds quite interesting. Yeah. But so basically on the way back out of the cave, we mm-hmm. saw like we found the bonds were cut. Yeah, and my character picks them up and says that the bonds have been cut, and then someone's like, "Oh, he probably cut them himself." There's like, "I frisked them for weapons." Something no or way. someone has cut these bonds. He he passes his deception checks, mm-hmm. but then uh, Malik and Dalen start arguing in thieves' canned, mm-hmm. which is a a a language that only rogues speak. Yeah, and so that arises that arouses suspicions. Yeah. 'cause the my, my character says, I don't understand what you're saying, but I understand the tone, yeah, so he doesn't know who has done it, but he's now suspicious of both of these characters, ah. because it's the, the the 'cause at first people like would would that arouse suspicion and like I've said, like like when you're in the street, hmm you can recognise when someone is speaking Spanish and not yeah. Italian without necessarily understanding, understanding because you're Italian familiar language. with the sounds. Yeah. And with him being a mercenary, he'll have heard people speaking thieves canned. Yeah. In the camps. So that so this this was where that whole plot was sort of left was with uh, Turin sort of eyeing the two of them yeah. suspiciously.
0: To be continued.
1: Yeah. But the, and as far as the quest went, eventually we got through the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we encountered an aberration, which is a horrifying thing with loads of different mouths on it. Um, but eventually we had to fight a manticore. Oh. Delightful. Yeah. So. As uh, you do. Turin cut the head off. Mm hmm. With a massive battle axe. Which was. Nice. Satisfying. Yeah, that was quite satisfying. <laughs> but it was. Uh, A really interesting cast of characters. Because normally a lot of the time what happens in a and d campaign is although people have all of these different moral alignments, Mm -hmm. is there's more often than not a degree of consensus. So it's quite interesting to see a group that's thrust together that without a leader uniting them would probably kill each other. Yeah. That's another dynamic you don't often see: is one player character being appointed as the leader.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: That's true. Which obviously Scott was. Yeah, with it, you know, and that was done by default because it was a stag. But at the same time, it's like that's something I would like to see a Mm -hmm. bit more in the RPGs of that sort of ilk: is to have the leader not necessarily dictating, but when there's an argument, having the last word. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean it sounds like you guys had a great time. I'm yeah. uh disappointed I wasn't able to make the uh the Sunday sessions, but uh I mean it sounds like you had
1: great fun. Oh it was brilliant and like we were all saying like it'd be great to, to revisit this at mm. some point. So I think uh I think potentially might be hearing mm. a bit more from uh from that little group. Yeah, watch the space
0: guys. And thanks again for Tom for Organising all yeah. the, the gaming and non gaming events of uh, Yeah, he did a Scott great
1: job <laughs> pulling it all together.
0: Yeah. So that was that was our weekend, but uh, wow, I've got. We've got a lot to talk about. About okay. uh, All in Good Seller and his adventures in uh, Boskenland. So I think where I last left it, the last time I provided an update. Well, we,
1: remember Scott gave us an update?
0: That's true,
1: so we've come back to Own. So the last time uh, Scott updated us was you were set upon by orcs. Mm-hmm. And you nearly died.
0: Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But we did defeat them. The battle was ours. And we made a decision to try and tail them to see where they were based. And we came across this ruined, fortified manor uh, we managed to, um, I being the skilled ranger, of course, managed to track the orcs and figure out when to go off the track so that we could overtake them yeah. and get to where they were heading. Uh, so we found their hold, this ruined fortified manor that they'd uh, built up a bit. And so we raided the manor, taking out the guards on the way. I managed to uh, confront the leader. Of the orcs, okay. and it wasn't what we were expecting. I mean, you just described to me how you would picture a um, a leader of a war band of orcs.
1: Well, they're they're normally the sort of might is right type culture, aren't they? Mm-hmm. so he's he's usually he's usually bigger and stronger. But it has to be said, generally speaking, you don't just rise to the top of a whole war band of orcs by being a thug. Mm-hmm. You're usually usually an orc leader's at least got a sort of low cunning. Yeah. Well, this guy, and this is what I think
0: made him quite sinister. Um, this guy wasn't that at all. He was quite. He, he almost had like a sort of mock um, civilization to him. Uh, he was, you know, not not skinny, but he was small. Yeah. Uh, well dressed, well presented, and he had a sort of scholarly look uh-huh. to him as well. Of course, we find him in this throne room that he's mocked together with his bodyguard. Um, there's a we mentioned there was we, we heard about spies in the uh, settlements yeah. working for him. well one of his spies Gurn? who was a little gnome. Little, <laughs> he was there um, along with uh, Bugbear, who was some sort of mercenary and his personal bodyguard. So we try to reason with him. Uh, the reason he, he was saying anyway that he started this campaign of harassing the human settlements was that he was captured and tortured by humans in the Free City um, prior to this and after he made his escape, he swore to wreak vengeance and claim Boscan land for all of orc kind. and he's, he's been spending the years making alliances and bringing together all the disparate sure. clans of orcs across the entire land. Um, Needless to say, he was not listening to us one iota. There was no way he was going to uh, go for diplomacy. And to be be fair, we didn't have much to offer him. (laughs) uh, So we did fight and I managed to take down the big guy himself. Um, Shot to the head uh, from a trusty bow and arrow. Uh, We even managed to fight off a couple of wargs that were let loose on us as well. And then once the fight was over, we could hear clattering through the hallway, more orcs. But when they came in and saw their leader was dead, bear in mind they were all from different clans. We persuaded them, right, walk away now. We won't won't kill you. And as they walked away, all the different clans started separating and going their own ways, squabbling as well. Yeah, (laughs) as they do. As they do. But on our way out, we saw a couple of orcs trying to drag some slaves off. Um, and uh, so I, the three-foot halfling, tried to intimidate them.
1: Why? Because they shouldn't be doing that to slaves. That's not very nice. Yeah, but what were you thinking? What What was your end game? Well, I'll
0: tell you what how this all played out. Um, one of them starts laughing at me, to which my response... Loaded up my bow and shot him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the arrow just planted right in his chest, and his laughter turns to like him go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at that point, um, Tharic, uh, you know, being the cleric and being well-natured, <laughs> kind of look, heals him up a little bit and just says, "Go now." Yeah. <laughs> so they run off and leaving the slaves. And as it turns out, some of the slaves were dwarves. Not only were they dwarves. But these were dwarves that Tharic knew. Oh. Tharic being a cleric was a one of his last um one of his last tasks before uh travelling Boscon land was he was going to oversee the marriage between two noble families. Right? But the bride disappeared. So he went off in search of the bride and this is what his sort of ulterior motive throughout the entire yeah. Uh, campaign has been—it's been to like figure out what's happened to her. Well, here she is, in a bridal gown and everything, um, and the personal bodyguard's there as well. There's something a bit shady about him. We're not sure what just yet. Okay. <laughs> but well, um, once uh, once we discovered them, we set about searching the manor itself, and uh, realised that we left the horses out with a bunch of marauding orcs. And sure enough someone stole them so we've had to make the long journey back on foot yep. uh, so <laughs> making our way back to King's Home in our absence it turns out that it's not, not only suffered one but two different attacks uh, while we've been gone, one from the retreating orcs now having discovered that their leader is dead and yeah. Uh, they thought they'd have one last punt at it. Uh but there was another attack by a big
1: warband of ogres. So it saves them a journey, I guess. Yeah. Like while we're here we might as well sack Kings home. Yeah, I mean well, you know, may as well stop have take a pit stop. Yeah. Right, you know. <laughs> Pillage a little. Yeah
0: and then move it's on. Like
1: we go all the way back to Orkland. Then we have to get a <laughs> warband And then we have to travel back. We're here.
0: Let's just do it now. Yeah.
1: Let's just do it now. Uh, but they the, they managed to fend
0: off those but the, the ogres were more problematic and we may have given, well, Ewan's character, Griffin, may have given um Andros the sort of de facto mayor of King's Home, a bit of a hard time for not being in the battle uh, that we previously partook in so when these ogres arrived, he said, no, it's time that I need to take a stand and I need to lead the fight, mm-hmm. Thordor's not a good fighter.
1: I was going to say, usually sort of clerical-type folk. Yeah. So, unfortunately, Thordor, we
0: have learned, has passed away yeah. in the battle. Um, Half the town is ruined. So, uh, we arrive back uh, to find that the remaining survivors have started packing up and are forming a caravan. Now, Neris the Noble from the Free City has been helping organise the caravan. Mm -hmm. The plan is that we go to the Free City and he has a considerable estate there that he's going to tap into, sell off and use the funds to establish a new settlement in Boskenland somewhere. And the plan at the moment is to reoccupy and repurpose this fortified manor. Prime real estate, after all. Yeah. And uh, not much in terms of uh, title deeds in Boscan lands. I think whatever's yours is yours. Like so, frontier
1: land, yes. basically.
0: So, the overall plan now is to um, establish a new settlement and expand from there. Uh, now, uh, this is the really cool thing. So, we're going to go, we're hitting a bit of a time lapse now so I think we're going into months and years are going to pass in between sessions as we establish the settlement, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's an entire uh, rule set about building a kingdom which is what we're diving into
1: Tom and Scott were talking to me about this on the the drive back it sounds really cool so So it's, it's going to almost be like Age of Empires meets Pathfinder
0: yep yep so we've got all the sort of we'll have the sort of adventuring side of your traditional rpgs but we will also have the um the the sort of strategic and management side of maybe i don't know how it's going to quite pan out but maybe something like a euro game sorry i know you don't like that phrase but um we'll, we'll bleep that out yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, but we'll have that that element of it as well uh, which I'm really looking forward to diving into the cool thing is there's so many different um, responsibilities to occupy that you assign uh, NPCs to them as well and one of the more prominent NPCs is Orland's cousin, uh, Sten Goodseller and she- it's,
1: it's something video games have been doing really well for, for years Yeah, it, it's nice to see tabletop games taking a stab at it because mm-hmm. th- this is something that's got us quite excited for wasteland warfare, right? Is the 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 idea that that you can allegedly build and upgrade your settlement? Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think that that's gonna. I think that's gonna uh, get. You, I mean, even more invested than you already are. Once you've created a character, we've created a home as well. Yeah, so. it,
1: it's it's taken the the personalization the the, the customization. That sense of ownership to another level exactly because more often than not in in tabletop games you your sense of ownership really is, is limited to your character and to mm-hmm. your equipment yeah you your character in a tabletop game generally speaking doesn't have a huge effect on the wider world and to be fair that that's something that can be quite hard. To, to simulate without yeah. an extra degree of, of effort on the part of the, the GM and, and the players as well. Mm. It's easy to do in a video game, right? Because like Fable did it. Remember, like oh, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. would make a decision and then the landscape would, uh, like 10 years would pass the landscape would be different because of that decision. Yeah, and you see how your actions have consequences. Uh, but that is it takes
0: a lot more investment, I think from players and GMs yeah. to uh, pull that off. In an RPG, but I'm really looking forward to giving it a go. Very different experience to what I've had uh, with previous RPG campaigns. Yeah, so. A huge
1: change of pace as well, because, like you were saying, like the the time periods are going to become more incremental in order to be able to 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 really see the the world change in a meaningful way. Yeah, and exactly. and again, like Fable's a good example. Fable does that mm-hmm. in order for you to to get a a broader sense of, of, of the world reacting to your decisions. Mm-hmm. Like fable or jump forward yeah. a, a couple of years, sometimes ten years, I think at times. You can see how things have changed, yeah. what you did to change it yeah.
0: as well. For the better or the worse. Yep. So looking forward to trying that. But so like I said earlier on, uh, you can think of the point where we're at now in the campaign is like the the end of the season. We've finished the story arc of our homes being destroyed and us getting revenge on the orcs and eliminating them as a threat, uh, but now it's going to be establishing our new home and uh, fighting the fighting the elements, fighting the land, uh, and trying to tame it and make it our own. The nice thing. Um, the nice thing about coming to this point is uh, all of our characters were we gave ourselves secrets right at the beginning, right? Yeah. And you'll remember I didn't start as and No. I started as Ellard, Fli- uh, Ellard the Finn, the sheriff. The sheriff. So Ellard died, killed by killed by a cultist, like all good men, except he wasn't such a good man. Ellard's secret was that he was a spy for the orcs. The scholarly orc. Yes. Yeah. And he was working with them, and it was nice because the uh, the character the, the other players had discovered that he was a traitor. We found in one of the orc camps uh, correspondence referring to him, mm-hmm. and that and that he had died. Uh, so people had figured it out, but they didn't know what the motive was and what what would have happened. Yeah. So it was nice to be able to discuss freely the reasons why Elard was driven to to what he did, and it, it was kind of. The way I viewed it, like the, the Orcs, the Black Wolves, were almost like Orc fascists. It, and he was suckered into that. He was getting so frustrated with the sort of bureaucracy and hypocrisy of civilization. And the deal that was struck between local thieves was kind of like the last straw. These are thieves. These are outlaws. We shouldn't be dealing with them. But that's what the council so ruled.
1: He, he sort of viewed the orcs as a sort of League of Shadows type organization. They're going to come in and wipe the slate clean.
0: Exactly, like yeah. start civilization anew. Might is right. Yeah. Uh, if you're the bad guy, off with your head.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And he got sucked into that uh, and just really bought into it. And I, it was a, he was a really different character for me to anyone who's been, uh, who's, who's ever played quite, in quite that, a
1: tragic character actually. Yeah, it, well,
0: it, it, anyone—I was going to say anyone who's played an RPG with me will know that I—I I have like a tendency to go towards happy-go-lucky, They're quite goofy uh, characters. Yeah, and, and uh, maybe Orlan's not quite goofy, but he—he's definitely light-hearted. Yeah. Right. And de- like, really, what you see is what you get, right? But to play a character so sinister. Uh, and I remember we were talking about it before it was revealed to everyone else that he was a traitor. And I was telling you about it, and yeah. you made the point: there's something particularly nasty about traitors.
1: Yeah. Like
0: almost all cultures revile someone who stabs
1: their
0: their own kind in the back. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Alid was doing. Uh, it was a shame that he didn't survive to see the end because I, I was we were talking about it, and Scott actually asked. So were you gonna? Would you have sided with the orcs in the end? I just went, "Yep, I would." We would have got to that throne room, and Elad would have turned his sword against you, and that would have been such a cool moment to play. But um, having a cool story arc isn't a protection it's, against a, it's a almost, great axe. <laughs> it's
1: almost a shame that it didn't get to that throne room scene. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Cause you. you I mean, could you imagine that? Like, he just takes out the knife and just stabs one of the other characters in the back.
0: That would have been... Uh, and that that's kind of the, the 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 climax that I was working towards with Ellard for the story. Yeah. Uh, it didn't pan out that way, but it was still a really great experience to try my hand at someone really different, because he, he was, uh, in the classic D&D alignments, I... I'd written on my sheet of paper lawful neutral, but in my like I, in my head, and I told Tom uh, as well, this guy's really lawful evil. Yeah, like, and he was. He was a nasty piece of work. Uh, really, really difficult trying to get my mindset into playing a character like that, but really rewarding.
1: Because like, remember a while ago we talked about the whole moral alignment thing mm. and how it can at times be restrictive. Mm-hmm. i've actually found myself like when i've been creating new characters just skipping it you don't don't even think about it and just because i i feel like it's too black and white yeah like i know there's degrees of it but even there i feel like there like there's certain situations where a good character a, a nasty side to them could come out
0: yeah, well, the other thing is, of course, uh, I, was I feel made... like I
1: feel like that compass doesn't quite account for that. Well,
0: know? we we made the point previously, you know, evil evil people don't think they're evil. No, evil they, they have a justification, and Elad had his.
1: Like so. Well, like Negan's a great example of that. Oh yeah, because like he murders people, but then there's a bit when one of his other guys talks about killing everyone. He slams his back down on the mm. table. And he says, "People are the foundation of what we are building." Yeah, and you think. This guy has some twisted sense of order.
0: Yeah, it's it, it really interesting playing a character like that. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, nice at the same time to be back in my comfort zone playing yeah. playing a halfling. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that I think that pretty much catches us up to um, the campaign in Boskenland and I think that's pretty much time on the episode as well. I have uh, to
1: say, like uh, to sum this episode up, because we've we've talked exclusively about RPGs this episode. Mm. Um, just like because we, we've had a lot of conversation uh, with people who are, who write RPGs are involved in them and You you've always had your finger in that pie, as it were. Yeah. And me, I, I've I've sort of blown hot and cold with it. Mm. Uh, more cold than hot, if I'm being truthful. But of late. But uh, I really feel my interest in RPGs being rekindled, or you know, at, at least it's uh, I am in a place where it's something that I, I'm quite keen to explore a bit more because like I, I've said to you before, I've had a lot of false starts think with the, campaigns.
0: Yeah, the, the and that's the tricky thing with uh with RPGs is that unlike your sort of standard. A tabletop experience yeah. with board games or card games or whatever it needs commitment to get the most out of it you need to be really committed to it and like you just go right we meet every two weeks every week once a month and we do that without fail and you get into the characters as well and get into the sense of creating a story with the uh, games master as well yeah. and if you if you throw yourself into that and it uh, you know, it, it it's an experience not quite like anything else. I think when we were talking to uh, Matt Machel, I, w- I was saying it's it's unique in terms of a storytelling experience because it's not being dictated to you. You influence it. You can control, to a degree, you can control it, and you're part of it. And that's, that's something quite different to anything it, it else. It has a
1: structured but improvisational feel yeah. to it because not only do the characters have to respond to events that a good a good dm a good gm whatever you want to call them or her um will also respond yeah. to events because it's like like we we had tom a while back talking about uh gm and, and like he's he said like things seldom if ever go according to plan <laughs> you, like, you know, because he was saying that. Like you, you know, you write up pages and pages and maps mm. and all that. And then the players will just go off the other direction, and then that's it. You, you're improvising. Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah, we we have waxed lyrically uh, about the virtues of RPGs, and I hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed listening to us. Uh, but that's us all caught up on the Pathfinder campaign. I'm in. Uh, I will keep you up to date. And thanks again, Tom. <laughs> yep. I hope you. We've pretty much dedicated half an episode to it, so I yeah. hope you're not so disappointed now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's worth saying as well. Like our our, our listeners are probably going to be hearing a little bit more from Tom in the future yes. because we've been asked to to look at a couple of different RPGs and supplements and things. Eager and, to try a few out. And, uh, and Tom's going to be helping us out with that. So if you've enjoyed episodes where Tom's been on. Uh, look out for that in the future Yep, stay tuned
0: But Guys, look, thank you very much for listening uh, It's been great and uh, take care We'll catch you next time Bye bye
1: Hi everyone, it's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast Thank you so much for listening Now be sure to follow us on Facebook and
0: Twitter All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Patreon. To find out more information check out our website www.unluckyfrog.com
1: Thanks, bye!